0: Terraman is building low cost, high scale energy storage, um, and we're doing it with modular um, gravity storage units that we deploy deep underground in a mine shaft or an abandoned mine shaft.
1: Welcome to the Climate Tech Talks. Today we bring to the table another explorationist. We have Eric Chavez, founder of Terraman an innovating solution to large-scale energy storage. During our conversation, we learned how Eric found his entrepreneurial side and how curiosity about Pump Hydro led him to innovate in gravity energy storage. We also discussed about the challenges Terraman is facing, what kind of investment they need to continue developing the idea, and they are looking for a co-founder to... Grow the team. It was a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it too. Hi, everybody. Welcome again to the Climate Tech Talks. I'm your host, Daniel Arraiz, and today I'm very excited to be with Eric Chavez. Eric Chavez is the founder of TerraMent. This is a very exciting startup that is looking to solve the energy storage crisis.
0: Hi, Eric. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Daniel. This is really exciting to be on here.
1: Yeah, likewise. So uh, let's begin from the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Could you walk us through who is Eric Chavez and what are you doing right now?
0: Yeah, so I started off in engineering in college, but my career path took a lot of different turns and eventually landed me working on Terramint, um, starting a few years ago after researching climate change. So, you know, from beginning to study engineering in college, I was always looking for the design side of things, the entrepreneurial side, um, found architecture as something I was really interested in. So ended up majoring in that, working in it for two years then shifted to industrial design, which I realized was really the path I was looking for um, while doing engineering. And then the recession in 2009 pushed me to software. And I've been doing that ever since up until Terramit. So, you know, really kind of all over the place. Um, I also started a, a tech startup along the way there. So I had some entrepreneurial experience. Right. And then when I was researching climate change, you know, it was really like a lot of folks, I think, Um, felt that I really wanted to work in this space and contribute to it, figure out what I could do. And energy storage quickly became a topic that I was really fascinated by and felt like I had some ideas to contribute. Um, And the last part of that story really is, you know, I was considering the problem of energy storage, how all of the storage we have in our grid is basically all pumped hydro, about 95% of it. And we only have a tiny amount. It's only about 3% of all of the energy in our grid ever goes through storage. You mean in the US, right? In the US, but it's pretty similar yeah. worldwide as well. Okay. Yeah, um, the average. The averages worldwide are about
1: the same. Right. So so terramen is not pumped hydro storage, right? Exactly. So when I was considering, you know, so the problem
0: with pumped hydro is it's, it's a great solution, but we can't really build very much more of it. But we have to build about five times the amount of storage that we have today to solve our climate crisis by 2050 because we have to support wind and solar, which are intermittent sources. So in order to solve this, we really need a new solution that's as cheap as pumped hydro and lithium-ion for a lot of reasons, um, a lot of experts just don't believe that it's going to be able to solve that. It'll be great for mobility and things, but we need a new large-scale solution. And when I was thinking about how we can replace pumped hydro, you know, the problem is really just height and weight. It's basically gravity storage. So I was thinking, well, what if we deep dig if we dig deep underground? And was actually surprised to find that it was totally feasible. Um, the mining industry has figured out a lot of that technology. And uh, I found research from the United States government in the 80s exploring underground pumped hydro. And then Terramin evolved from there. Uh, what we're building is solid mass modular gravity storage that we deploy deep underground in mine shafts. Um,
1: and yeah, that was the evolution. It's all, it sounds pretty exciting, to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm from the geological background, and it seems like a, a great uh, innovation in, in this space. Yeah, we're
0: really excited. You know, I obviously don't have a geological background. It's been really exciting to talk with folks like you who do have um, an understanding of that and expertise. And a lot of mining experts are really excited about this. And also, it could be a way to, you know, reskill, um, or not even to reskill, but to have people who already have the skill of mining and digging underground to be able to work on solutions that are climate friendly solutions, like what we're doing instead of oil and gas solutions as, as those get phased out.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's that's a bit concern of a lot of people from the energy industry. To be honest, I mean a lot of people uh, in this context of the energy transition that everybody is talking about. So people like me and people from the energy industry industry are looking for other ways to contribute to 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 the energy system uh, and also fight climate change and that's something that you can you are doing with uh, with government. yeah um, and how big is the team right now so the
0: official team is just me really okay but we have a great team of advisors right now I have two summer interns um, I'm working with consultants like a grant writing consultant. Um, and I am, you know, really working really hard right now to figure out how to figure out the uh, the co-founder team, who might be some advisors, who are new folks that I'm talking to every day now. So it's it's a really exciting time, especially having the interns to support um, the project and figuring out how this team is going to shape out.
1: Right. You're. I read on climate uh, climate base that you are also looking for 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 a CEO. Is that right?
0: For uh, for a co-founder potentially or a potential oh, okay. first hire. Um, Yeah. And it's, I've had really amazing people respond to that already. It's, that's been, I better than I could have expected, um, the the people coming through there. So yeah, it's been amazing to talk with these people who have just amazing experiences and qualifications and, um, super motivated and kind people. So I'm really excited about that.
1: So what, what kind of profile are you looking for?
0: I'm really looking for a senior level engineer, um, mechanical and electrical are the, the two that I'm especially looking at also civil. Um, yeah. And you know, it's, we are still pre-funding. Um, we're also actively talking to many investors and we're hoping to close an angel round between 250 K and a million. Um, and so that will also, okay. you know, help support that team. Um, so all of those is kind of, you know, we're right in the middle of that chicken and egg problem, getting it all, uh, figured out at once right now.
1: Awesome. How, how about how about crowdfunding platforms? Are, are you also considering that? Yeah, very much so. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out how a lead
0: investor will support me through that. I think some okay. lead investors are hesitant to use that, which honestly, I, I don't understand why there would be hesitancy. I think it's it's a great um, a great way to do it. I think a lead investor can can lead that round and have other investors right. fall into the platform. I think it simplifies a lot of um, that process. And there's really great platforms that don't even take uh, much, if any, of a fee on top of it um, if, you're, if you're raising the right amount of a large sum of money. So it, to me, so far, it seems like a win situation and um, I'd be really excited to do it.
1: Great. Yeah. So coming back to, to the technical side of things, uh, do you have any technical challenges that you have to overcome to, to, to be able to build this the, the underground facility? Yes, so many challenges. Um, okay. so it's,
0: <laughs> it is, it's such an audaciously large, huge thing to build. It, it really is you know, a massive size. So the things we have going for us is that we're not inventing any new novel technologies. We don't have to do a decade of research or more before this becomes feasible. Um, We're really taking existing technology like mining and like using large mechanical gearing systems like are already used with large wind turbines. Um, So it's really about synthesizing a design with bringing those components together. Um, but even though there's nothing new here, there's nothing novel besides the design and the synthesis, uh, it, there's going to be so many challenges. Um, you know, digging is really complicated, finding the right bedrock conditions, um, but all of right. those challenges are figured out by different expertise, um, different experts in the system. So my job really is to pull together these experts um, and to call upon all the knowledge that we already have and then convince um, investors. And the system that this is so important and the numbers look so good, it looks like the cost could be so low with this system that it really is worth investing um, in the early prototypes and then the first installations for this uh, technology.
1: Yeah, I I was just wondering how big the facility would be and and how much energy would, would, would it produce? Yeah, so
0: we can build smaller, but really the key, what makes this, design so exciting is that we can build at scale. It's possible to dig down a mile underground or deeper even. Um, And so really the best costs come at scale. And that scale that we're targeting would be about the same order of, of scale as like a large hydro facility. And what that looks like is about two gigawatt hours of storage. It would cost about $400 million. And the sizing would be about a mile deep, maybe a six meter diameter. And that would be filled with large, heavy Uh, massive modules that have a large wind turbine generator inside of them that act as the motor generator to both lift the modules up um, on a geared track that would be bolted into the bedrock um, and then to use basically like regenerative braking as these fall down the shaft. So it's similar to how in pumped hydro, you have a turbine that spins as water pours down the shaft and you use that turbine to pump the water
1: back up. Right. So uh, above surface, you wouldn't take take up that much space, is that right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, so in an ideal scenario, you, right. we have, so the way this works is we have a you know, a mile deep and then so you also have a mile long track above ground. In um, okay. an ideal scenario, we could even cover that with solar panels. So the real estate could be almost nothing. Um, And in the research that we're doing, it does look like if you co-locate this with a solar facility, then the real estate cost could be very minimal. Um, but, you know, we do need to find a location where there's that opportunity to have a mile-long um, track above ground, or we'd have to bury it, which would is be very feasible, but would add
1: more expense. Yeah, exactly. It would be more expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you talked with, with solar providers to, to, to pitch this idea? I mean, uh, I, I think they, are, they might be, like, your, your client, for a like, straightforward client, right? yeah so we've talked to a couple energy developers
0: um we want to talk to a lot more you know right now the phase we're at we're trying to prioritize as much as possible we have a million things and so there's so many things that we we're, we've been excited to do that we haven't done but we have talked to at least two energy developers um and you know one of my favorite things about this idea is that everyone loves it everyone thinks that it's you know, really brilliant if it works, that it's, we need this, there's no doubt that we need this solution. Um, So similar, these energy developers are very excited about it. You know, obviously, we're so early, we have so much to prove, but they're helping us to figure out what the data is that we have to show them that we have to prove so that they'll feel comfortable help uh, moving forward with us and and consider building it.
1: And what do you think you would need to make or build to prove that to them? I mean, maybe like a small scale facility or something like that? I, I don't know. Exactly.
0: So right now we're building a very small scale prototype just in the office, um, just to oh, kind of okay. show some basic mechanics. But really the first step is to build like a one-tenth scale prototype. Um, it doesn't right. need to have the full height of a one-tenth scale. Um, so we're actually looking at about a 100-foot shaft, one meter diameter, something in that order of magnitude. Okay. And we have a great, um, some great p- potential uh, engineering partners that we're talking to. There's some nonprofit engineering companies out there that will help you apply for grant funding and then that grant funding will pay for their expertise to help you build these prototypes. Um, and so we found some exciting potential partners with that, and they would be able to, you know, have give us all the extra expertise and facilities that we would need to build this prototype.
1: Awesome, awesome. And com- let's connect the dots with the with the um, funding. What mm-hmm. what would be your next step after you get the funding? So yeah, where the angel round will
0: help us uh, give us about a two year runway. And we want to augment that with grant funding. So we're also applying for a lot of grant funding. Um, We're in the middle of two federal grant applications and a number of others, and there's exciting opportunities coming out all the time right now. So yeah, we have a a really great consultant who's helping us track those and apply to as many as possible. Um, So for example, the prototype, we hope will be paid for entirely by grant funding. Um, So the angel investment that we are raising will just supply our basic needs to have our engine, you know, some engineers, um, do some design work, um, consult paying consultants and things like that to keep us going for a couple of years while we keep applying for the grant funding.
1: You are, um, bootstrapping right now, isn't it?
0: Very much bootstrapping. So I just (laughs) went full time on this in January and I'm, I'm about ready. Uh, I'm just now running out of, you know, the savings and some friends and family funding help Um, That's let me be full time in January. So yeah, you know, it's either angel investment, or I have to go back to contracting. um, And that will just delay everything. So my ideal is that we can build this as fast as possible, because we all know that it's really, really urgent um, to not delay this and to, to experiment with all these technologies as fast as possible.
1: Yeah, I'm very positive about it. I think, I mean, uh, the the more we speak about it, the more you speak about it with other people, uh, I think this, the word would will, will spread out and, and you'll find the, the angel investor. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was reading in your webpage that you have a patent pending, right? Uh, is that holding you back in something, in some way? Yeah, great question. Um.
0: I don't think so. You know, the patent process has been really interesting. Um, that was pretty new for me. Um, I was involved with one a long time ago, but it's new. And, um, so we just filed, we filed the provisional a year over a year ago, just filed the non-provisional. Um, so now we wait to hear back for the feedback and, um, so yeah, I think right now it'll be a while, anyways, until we know how that stands. And so right now, I think it's just helpful knowing that we have that in the process.
1: Yeah, that's right. That also encourage other investors to, to to be part of it. Yeah, maybe if you if you have it already, you can you can also convince more people. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. I think it helps. Yeah. So what are the main barriers you found? I mean, uh, besides the technical challenges. Uh, I I'm, I'm speaking of the financial part um, uh, do you think uh, it's something holding somebody back to I don't know they are just thinking maybe I just wait for you to to grow a big a big uh a big more the company to invest before uh, I don't know I'm just thinking out loud <laughs> yeah i i think that you know the financing the investing
0: part is a huge barrier. Um, the, it's such a enormous scale that we're working at. And, you know, the payoff will take a really long time. Um, so yeah. if it wasn't for the climate crisis that was making this so important, I, I certainly wouldn't be motivated to do this startup um, without that, you know, as 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 purely a money making scheme, like this is not about making money. Right. Um, I do believe that it's purpose, be, right? Yeah, and I, I do believe that it will be incredibly valuable. Um, I think it's a, a really incredible opportunity to make a lot of money, but the payoff takes us such a long time that we have to find that rare investor who both cares about the climate, is technical enough to understand the huge opportunity that we can do with this, um, and to be patient, you know, to to have the patience to wait that long, and with you know, as far as I understand with the investing landscape and companies in general, that's a really hard ask. Although I
1: would say that uh, that's almost the same in all climate tech companies, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you are investing huge amount of money and, and the payoff will be late, you know, <laughs> yeah. especially if you are, if you have to build, such a large-scale facility and stuff. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's right. And another thing, and you you you'd mentioned that you are also considering building an underground pumped hydro. Is that right? So I,
0: I, I wouldn't say it that way because we don't have any immediate plans or anything. But what I think is really interesting, I, you know, I said that I got started on this by researching underground pumped hydro. Um, and actually right. on our website, there's... Um, a a tab that says research and there's a white paper that I wrote that was just uncovering that research. Um, And so I still think that underground pumped hydro is really, it's an exciting opportunity. It's really feasible. Um, It could possibly be just as good as the Terramint design that we're looking at, Um, you know, maybe better. We're not sure. Um, So it's not out of the question that Terramint could focus on that in the future, but really I decided to do this pivot to what we're doing now, um, because I think it's more unexplored. I think there's more that we can contribute. Um, there's more possibility that we haven't discovered yet. And I felt like it would be much easier to launch the startup, um, using that approach. So yeah, Yeah. for now we have no immediate plans to look at underground pumped hydro, but I think that it's still really exciting.
1: And uh, are there other gravity solutions on energy storage out there? Yeah. So it's a really interesting landscape and,
0: I think that it's also such a large need. And I think there's a lot of room for differentiation in the landscape. I think that all of the startups doing similar things are helping each other to kind of uh, show that there's a a larger, you know, place for gravity storage. Um, So to name a couple, there's one called Energy Vault, which is probably the most known. And that has a tower above ground that uses a crane to uh, lift a series of blocks into a larger tower or a smaller tower. Okay. Um, and so that storage is, um, the energy is produced through a motor at the top of the crane. And then there's another one called Gravitricity, um, based in, in Edinburgh, I believe, um, that also is digging a shaft underground and okay. they are using a, uh, a winch like device as well to hang a cable and have a piston of weight and to lift that up and down. Um, and both of those have f- their first prototypes, which is really exciting. So they're demonstrating in the real world that this you know, really does work. And the, the numbers really do come out um, awesome. like they've been estimating. And if, I'll say a word just on how we're different. So our selling point is really that we're able to reach a, a different kind of large scale because we're maximizing the two simple ingredients really of energy storage, which are height and weight. And so with the height, we're getting 10 times more height than, for example, Energy Vault has above ground. Yeah. Um, and what's really... It, it's interesting that just because we're stacking all of those modules into one large height, it means that we get 10 times the storage that Energy Vault has with the same height and weight. Um, and then compared to something like Gravitricity, they're on a smaller scale probably, which is, I think, ultimately going to be a different uh, a different niche area than what we're looking at, uh, and a, a way to see why they wouldn't be able to support all of the weight that we can in in an underground shaft because a cable can't support that much weight over a large distance. Um, So, yeah, our solution, the the unique part of what we're doing is that each module supports its own weight with kind of a gearing mechanism that um, is geared directly to the bedrock itself through racks that are bolted to the bedrock.
1: Right. In a sense, uh, they are self-sufficient, right? And and because they are modular, modular, and you can replace them easily and there's there's so many interesting technical questions and challenges
0: that um, people bring up all the time that I love to talk about you know what if a module gets stuck what if the gears aren't strong that enough that was my next break <laughs> yeah <session. laughs> and uh, we have lots of designs and and thoughts and ideas that we don't even publicize on the website um, okay. i'm talking to engineers constantly you know th- brainstorming about that and thinking of different alternate solutions um, so yeah, I think it's, it's great to be challenged with those things. And, um, I like to tell investors, you know, we don't worry, this is really early. Um, there's a million ways to, you know, design around this. Um, and so for example, like we, we definitely are designing for if a module gets stuck or it needs repair, um, it'll be able to be lifted by one of its sibling modules and then it can be repaired above ground. Um, and a module will always have kind of a safety mechanism. And if the power cuts, it'll brace itself against the, the shaft wall. Um, we have different gearing mechanisms that we're playing with which are not shown on the website to address things like um, you know getting more surface area of contact with the gearing mm. between the shaft walls or allowing for better gear tolerance for example things like that
1: yeah I know that's a big issue in the wind industry where the wearing of the of the gears of the wind turbines So I guess that you you will also run out, run with these problems, kind of problems.
0: Yeah. And, you know, like looking at our O&M costs, for example, and our cost estimates, um, we're trying to compare things like looking at the wind turbine repair costs as well and, and some other metrics. So, yeah, those will definitely be factors. And that's all factored into our cost estimates. Great.
1: Yeah, well... It's been great, Eric. I think it, it's uh, the is an amazing solution. And I'm looking forward to, to know more about you. And, and I'm really hoping that you find this angel investor. Thank soon. you. Thanks so much, Daniel. It was really great to talk with you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye.
0: The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not reflect the opinion of my current employer, TS. If you like this episode, please subscribe and give us a like. It really is important for us. This episode was produced by Julio Cesar Fernandez.